This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. A very good morning to everybody. This is BFM's uh, Morning Run. I just almost forgot the station's name. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Gu Su Chuang with uh, Tan Chen Li and uh, Philip C. It is the 5th of May 2022. 0505 or 5 yeah. It is also the shortest week I've experienced in my corporate life, I think. Really? Is that right? Because it's only two working days. I'm Aye. sure there was some week that it was like only one working week. Some uh, point in yeah. our life. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> sure. For sure. Perhaps. Perhaps. Which but I can't, can't remember. remember anymore. It's a <laughs> For ultra-productive and ultra-efficient people, this must be a bit of a shock to the system. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. Even Did though you? I consider myself ultra-productive and effective, efficient, it was very nice to just take a long break for it such was, a long time. It was. What did you, you all do? Oh, I ate a lot. You ate a lot <laughs> I yeah. was telling Phil all about it. It was all about festive eating for, for me, you know, with family, with friends, you know. So, I, and he was asking what I ate in yes. particular, and I, I said I can't remember everything. She ate so much. She tr- even shared her pictures, and I, I must say I was very impressed with the pictures. <laughs> I, I I purchased and acquired two dogs. I saw. Yes, yes. I heard. They are, they are, they, you heard. They are a bit of an earful, but yeah, what a wonderful experience to acquire these two dogs. They were puppets, right? Puppies. Puppies. Puppets? No, Is that such a thing? Just made it up. <laughs> puppets. And I had the most amazing beef rendang on Tuesday. My friend's open house. It was, it was off the scale how good it was. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. What, were they like panicking because it was very last minute, all this? Yeah, no, no, he catered, right? So then 10 30, they called him in. Because, you know, the timing, the announcement was on Wednesday, right? Yeah. yeah. And then on Tuesday, so then the caterer said, "Hey, Tuesday, on Tuesday morning, ten thirty, and people are supposed to come at twelve, right?" Yeah. They said, "Oh, everything's ready for tomorrow, ma'am." To my friend's wife, right? Mm. And she'll say, "Say no today." <laughs> so in two hours, they cooked up the storm. It's amazing. Well, that's what yeah. happens when you're under pressure. You deliver wonderful work. It is exactly. Well, so it's, since it's the first day back from uh, this really long break, we've got a huge day lined up for us. Um, we know that Bank Nagara is in the forex market, trying to actively manage the currency. So. We're going to be discussing that particular uh, issue with Saptiani Supat of Maybank Singapore on a live call. What else do we have? And then at 7.30, we're going to discuss uh, APAC outlook in terms of the economy, uh, how things are in terms of growth and recovery. Uh, we're going to t- do that with Steve Cochrane, Chief APAC Economist of Moody's Analytics. That's going to be huge. And what else? And guys, did you notice that every time before a long holiday, all the big news comes out, like the SC resignations? But this time, we're going to have a discussion with Vincent Fong over the award of the five digital digital banking licenses that just it's, came out on Friday. It's like finally, right? We've been waiting for this for so long. Yes, yes. So we're going to have a dissection with him about whether who are the real winners and losers over these award of the licenses. Okay, that dissection is about to come in a few couple hours. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was the funky riffs of uh, Earl Van Dyke with Stone Soul Booster. And before that, uh, Pink Floyd with Wish You Were Here, just as we wish we were here. No, not really. <laughs> Why are you holiday weekend. No, not really. No, it's a long week. Uh, so we've had three days off back on yeah. Thursday, Friday. I think a lot of people are still not around. but uh, <laughs> Yes, yes. I think people are still in kampongs, uh, in kampongs or still yeah. re- relaxing. Because what an opportunity, right? Just take two days off and you've got full nine days stretch right. off. Yeah, this is Revenge Raya, Revenge Open House. Revenge Raya. It's great, yeah. And possibly still out of town. And possibly still out of out town. Out of the country, I mean. Yeah. But they should still be listening to us because you can still listen to us through digital radio. And Harvard Business Review has this story about how if you ever get uh, faced with a really boring task, actually we do, we get a lot of admin that we're going to do, right? 
How do you power through this? This must be a Tanjinli story, right? Uh, no, actually, it was a Philip C. <laughs> but in any case, <laughs> that means it's really it's cerebral. All of us. <laughs> so, how, what's the solution? Okay, firstly, I mean, let's just be clear. What is a boring task? A boring task is something which re- really requires low attention. And so, the Harvard Business Review article recommends what we do. Uh, it's what we call a tangential immersion. So, you couple it with another activity that's pretty immersive, so that you actually can power through the boring task. Now, what is a boring task? It can be so many things like like washing the plates, brushing your teeth teeth and such. So it really ran through a whole series of experiments to show that if you actually coupled it with another activity that was immersive, you would tend to be, you would be able to power through the task much better and longer. Ah, we already do that subconsciously. I listen to really quite interesting podcasts while I wash the dishes or, you know, you know when you cook and then you have to cut, cutting is really boring, right? Yes. I didn't know you cook. (laughs) Really, really well. Um, Two Michelin stars in my imagination. a break, seriously. (laughs) But it's a very true point. So, for example, a classic example is washing your hands. Many people actually, if you go to Europe, they would actually have videos of news uh, screens or news ticker ticker tapes going through so that you actually will wash your hands Longer, right? Because oh, you are you are kind of COVID what, time during no even before COVID away just to keep you immersed in keeping your hands washed longer. They would actually have a video screen to keep you immersed, as you say, right? In the kitchen, also many people while you're trying to wash plates or whatever, you have the Netflix on or TV on because it's very immersive at the same time. Yeah. So, what are your individual, uh, you know, tangential immersions? And now I'm thinking, like, do do workouts? You know, does that count as uh, you know yeah, when you listen yeah, to music course, or when yeah. you watch YouTube or something like that or when you're working out, say, on a treadmill? Because it's really boring to run on a treadmill. I mean, for me, yeah, at that's least, why people don't like yes. treadmills. But you know, yeah. when it's hazy outside, right? When it's really uh, you have no choice, no right? choice. Yeah. Or say lockdowns, or you know, you have to run at a treadmill at I your home. F- I fully agree with you. I listen to podcasts. Uh, when I'm actually on the treadmill and really? it allows me to run longer. Really? Yes. I thought I mean, some people actually use something more of a certain beats, you know, because there's like beats per minute kind mm. of count to make you run at a certain pace. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure, for sure. Right, certain music, actually even on Spotify, there are different ranges of uh, beats per minute yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, soundtrack. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I mean, podcast is definitely something that sometimes I, I wonder when you can... Look. So which then begs the question, which podcast? Mm, jeng, yeah, jeng, jeng. <laughs> because, because they tend to maybe <laughs> suck your attention away. Because when you have these two activities, going at the yes. same time, right? Yes. There's this possibility that one might suck away the main activity that they're trying to achieve. Well, that's why, right, the whole point is what is boring. It's, an, it's a task which doesn't require much attention. So mm. it's okay if it sucks away <laughs> the mind because it's meant to be mindless already in that sense. Yeah, but running with podcasts, I, I, I don't know about it. I, mean, uh, I haven't tried it for yet. For me, it worked perhaps because I find running boring, so yeah. that's why it's fine. I find it boring yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I like to listen to a lot of Joe Rogan, actually. Oh, Some of his oh guests are quite... Gosh. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. the other one I quite like is A16Z, which is, you know, the ex-guys from um, from uh, from Andreessen Capital. So they talk about a lot about the crypto world and, and NFTs and, you know, the metaverse. It's fascinating. Right? These, yes. are, these are these are TradFi guys in DeFi um, in circles. It's fascinating. So I guess the bigger question here is when you are encountering a boring task and let's all admit it, everybody goes through that. How do you overcome that? How do you get through it and power through it? That's, I think, the big question, right? Do you need another activity to help you support it side by side? Or do you perhaps need a carrot or stick? 
to it, drive that forward. It, you see, the old generation, the old people, right, they will never have thought of like um, trying to go in the tangential because they have to be done. Yes. Right? And what has to be done is done. Is get, it gets done. Yeah. So you just, you, you don't, you just zone out and you go and do. Do you know what I mean, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. They think uh, it's part of the process. Yeah. You just have to do it. You just have yeah. to suck it up and move for, forward and correct, get it done. Correct. You, you just do it. You know, Tan Chinam, the founder, from one of the founders of Tan Tan, uh, he, he's passed away now. He said that in, you know, you, you just do the work which has to has been done to get the food on the table. No such thing as finding passion in your job. No such thing as finding fulfillment. You just has to be... That's the refugee mentality. It's immigrant mentality, right? I, I think you hit a nail on the head, which is that we find it boring because it's not essential. For them, yeah. everything they did was yeah. necessary survival. and essential. And it yeah. was survival. But this is also interesting because um, the ultra runner, Scott Jurek, his father has, also, has always told him that you just do things. And that's yeah. why he's one of yeah. the best ultra yeah. runners in yeah. the world. Yeah. And that actually cultivates perseverance, yeah. which is what the article is also talking about here. How do you cultivate perseverance? Perhaps you need these little cues to help you. Exactly. you know, we, we aspire to be those kind of individuals who are able to just power through without requiring any kind of stimulus or support. But maybe we need this in the short term to help us achieve yeah. that nirvana equivalent. Exactly. So for some people it's survival, other people it's nirvana. Not the band, the state of mind. <laughs> Seven, 614, we'll come back after this with Arcade Fire, Fire's Electric Blue. BFM 89.9 BFM 89.9 Arcade Fire with Electric Blue Now we've got this story From the Financial Times As we do About uh, meetings As we do And uh, this is a Tanshan Lee story About how um, people should not remain quiet in meetings. That no, is that is other way around. <laughs> well, that's that's my that's my premise. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I too play early, yeah, too yeah. early. <laughs> <laughs> so the article article is titled "Is It's Okay to Be Quiet in Meetings?" And uh, actually, I kind of I, I kind of like this article because it talks about how meetings has been like you know a drag sometimes for people, and surprisingly, uh, more than sixty percent of people usually in the meetings are actually, um, you know, they, they don't really talk a lot. And and there's only like two person out of the whole meeting that's really doing all the talking. And sometimes you wonder, what's the point of this, right? You know, why do we have to sit on a long meeting and just listen to this two person talking? And I actually like one last point in the article that talks about silent meetings. So instead of having people to talk, all of us just write down your ideas on a note or something. And then you just, I guess, you discuss the ideas anonymously. And you don't have to, like, you know, really suck up to the blowhards. <laughs> you know, which I kind of like. I think this is a function of people not preparing for meetings. I mean, that's why in Amazon, before you go for a meeting, everyone is, like, reading a cheat sheet and a page written before the meeting so you know what you need to decide and plan for. The issue why there's so much talking in meetings, in my view, is that people are not have not thought through or planned out what they want to say or have not done the research. So they're just talking through. Because the research in this article is saying that in a typical six-person meeting, more than 60% of the talking is done by just two people. That's the problem, as you say, right? There are these people who just want to hear their voice, who like their voice and want to be heard. But in Asian setting, a lot of times, the I think 80% of the time, is on just talking the slight news and <laughs> not the main I, I topic do, here. I, I do. I think. I think in Asian culture, there's a bit of an issue here where people don't talk up enough. 
right? Uh, there is this issue yes, here in yes, Asia specifically yes. that there is a large swath that you know will just keep quiet, and then later they will complain after the meeting is done about yes, decision made. That's yes. a big problem in Asia, I see specifically. Not so much in the United in the in the Western world, yes, but in Asia it's a bit of a problem. Yeah, it's linked to the kind of personality that you are, right? You've got the time that kind that are very vocal, <clears throat> and you've got the kind that are very quiet. I think that. The the answer to this question it really depends on on, on it depends on who you are and, and and the type of meeting and the type of meeting it is and I agree with you Phil uh, a lot of meetings are unstructured so you waste a lot of time mm. that's why I like standing meetings that's why I like five minute long meetings you just go in there you get the objective get the solution and get out and go and start working and also too dep- long too long meetings are sometimes. that's right and it also depends on who you're having the meeting with so if it's yes. internal organizational uh, meetings those you can really get straight to the point and get things done five ten minutes half an hour fifteen but if if it's meetings with clients, you know, you have no choice, but you have to do all the, the dancing around, you know, and talk about a lot of other things. Then only you go to the crux of the, the agenda of the meeting, which is only like, say, 20% of the, the whole time that you have to oh spend. Oh, my goodness. What kind of clients are those? There's a I lot get of a, those I get a lot of, of those, Phil. Yeah. yeah. You go in there and you do yeah, the small yeah. talk and... What should last 20 minutes, last two hours? And exactly. I hate those, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I yes. think in those situations, a bit unavoidable because it's what you need to do to help and appease the client. I think this is a big problem for internal meetings. Yes. And I and for me, this article resonates because I've been in many circumstances where there are clearly one or two people that are just very vocal mm. and they tend to drown out other people. So as chair of the meeting, you're responsible to make sure everybody's voices are heard. What I find happen. What I find happens quite often is that the person who speaks the most, if they tend to speak too much, after a while, it's it's meaningless. Correct. It doesn't have any strength or value to it. So then everybody also you know, disengages very yeah. fast when they yeah. start speaking. Yeah. So there is some thought to being very thoughtful and being careful with what you say. Because if you say too much, then in the end, people just don't listen in the first place, which then defeats the purpose of you talking. Yeah, and you got to stand up and be heard. That's why my initial premise was, yeah. especially for those who are less vocal, you got to lean in. Like you know, especially this can be sometimes uh, the guys tend to talk too much, and then the girls don't tend to speak too much, and then as a result, subconsciously, you know, they are relegated to the to the to the fringes of of the of the of the workplace, mm. right? Yeah. And you got to speak up because if you don't speak up and you have your opinion heard in a structured way, that's the optimal side. But then you are not, you know, you're not in the subconscious. Yeah, but there's also some guys who are more introvert and they don't like to speak also, up, but they have yeah, great sure. ideas yeah. or they only speak up towards the end of the meeting. Uh, you know, so then that comes back to the point of silent meetings. That is the point of the chair of the meeting. There has to be an appointed so to chair it facilitator out, yeah. that mm. basically says, okay, I've heard you. Can I hear from everyone else? Yeah. And I think the chair usually was, should speak the least because... The person he You're or crowdsourcing she, ideas. That's yeah, should be crowdsourcing, yeah. listening, and then perhaps he's the quiet one that finally makes the decision. Yeah, but a lot, of, a lot of meetings, uh, the chair will also st- still ask the question. Anyone has anything to say or to add? Yeah, and the introverts may not be the one, may not still want to speak up, or they may actually just pull the chairperson aside and say, "Hey, you know, actually, I have some some ideas." And then they would be like, "Why didn't you say it during the meeting?" Mm. So that, yeah. that that that's that's why I was actually I actually quite like the idea of silent meeting here that was raised up by. The article because basically you just write down the idea everyone you know um, just write it down and then you there's no um, you don't need to know about who who came up with that idea and it's the ideas are discussed uniformly 
Yeah, so I, I think that's what we call preparation, right? You have these preliminary options or discussions or issues you want to table. And then the point of the meeting is that everybody builds on each other's ideas constructively yes. and challenge it constructively. And that's where it, it adds colour and richness and the, and the power and the quality of the decision making. And it's fair across. Yes. You don't have to have you know certain people speaking too much and certain people not speaking at all. Hmm. Yeah, and then of course it goes to the culture of the company, right? That's if right. you have a culture of, of um, engagement and free discussion and free speech, then you have those discussions that go on. But if you don't, and it's a very typical traditional culture yeah. where the boss makes all the decisions, then you've got quite uh, inane meeting discussions. Okay, 6.25 in the morning, we'll come back up to this with Smashing Pumpkins and 1979, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was chairlift with bruises. It is 6.40 in the morning. Uh, I'm with Chuang with uh, Chen Li and Phil C. It's time to look at international news and Don Chen Li, what's out there? <laughs> Let's start with the European Union. Um, that our uh, their European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said that they're going to phase out or plan to uh, ban Russian crude oil over the next six months. And when they say a ban, it means a complete import ban on all Russian oil, seaborne, pipeline, crude, and refined. This is the sixth sanction, if if we remember. Yes. Quite I'd, a few I'd, I'd of love them. to see how that pans out because of their huge depend. I think forty percent of their needs are Russian oriented. Exactly. So there's two countries who's actually not really, um, you know, liking this idea: Hungary and Slovakia. They're saying that they are heavily reliant on this Russian gas or Russian energy, and they say a sudden cut off like that is doesn't work for them. They need a longer timeline until maybe end of 2023. Yeah, Hungary would be starved of resources. So I think some history behind the context before this was that actually uh, Russia demanded that these uh, many of these countries pay Russia in rubles. And what they did was they imposed... Uh, um, Russia actually first started by saying, look, we're not going to prov- supply oil, I think, to Poland mm. and I think to another country. I can't remember the name now. So that, I think, was, I think, really the last straw. And this is a counter-response to that, in my view, that yeah. the EU has come to that for. In tandem with this ban, there's also a decision by the EU to say, look, they plan to entirely phase out Russian oil and gas by end of this year. Uh, and there will be a lot of hard work. Uh, they have a bit of time because you're now entering spring and summer. So the key and strategy, I think, for the EU now is how you're going to stockpile in the short term to meet the coming winter. That's yeah. going to be the key strategy and key challenge they have to face. I wonder with these resource and energy sanctions, I wonder whether the US government is unwittingly accelerating the advent of de-dollarization and de-Americanization. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I feel yeah. with, with that question, right, I mean, clearly when we see how the currencies are performing, we yeah. are still in king dollar ter- terms, yeah. right? So the question also is, how is the US going to help EU get secure the energy supply? They've got to step up. And they have step to step up, up shale, and yeah. support up that piece. Now, even shale production has ramped up substantially, but I think that really is to meet domestic demand because domestic demand in US is skyrocketing. Off the scale. That's why inflation has to be tempered. I've got the story from the um, from Quantum. Qantas, actually. Qantas is the Australian national carrier. They're reviving plans to uh, reinstate the, what used to be known as the kangaroo uh, route, right? Uh, this is Sydney, London. It's now going to be direct. It's going to be more than 10,000 miles long. And it's, well, basically this distance is equivalent to driving from New York City to Chicago and back six times. It's going to be huge. And this is really the, 
I guess, a marker for the return of international travel. It is an iconic route. A non-stop Sydney-London has eluded many people and it's actually created fortunes for many airlines like the Middle East carriers and even back home across in Southeast Asian carriers. They've always used these places as hubs and stopping points because there was no technology that could do non-stop. As you said, right, 17,000 kilometres, it's going to be a 20-hour flight. Yeah. The longest flight we've seen is Singapore-New York, which is about 18 and a half hours. So this is really going to top it off. So everybody has tried to do this. I think they've they decided and they've, they had a project, and this project is called Project Sunrise, and they selected a technology being this A350-1000 that hopefully will be able to connect straight nonstop. In the mm. past, actually, Qantas actually had to stop at Perth and do the tech fueling stop before heading over to London. So this nonstop is pretty iconic. Yeah, I mean, maybe the target customer are not really the leisure travellers, but more the business travellers. That's right. And speaking of uh, tourism, China tourism travel and the spending over this golden week, so-called, which is the Labor Day holiday, which is supposed to be a week of uh, a lot yeah. of travelling and spending, didn't come quite come to uh, a lot of, as per the usual uh, rates, because they have actually, uh, spending actually down 43% from last year, which is a huge number. Yeah. 43%, it more is than a, half. It is a very big dent uh, to the Chinese economy. I think people are questioning also, you know, how likely is China going to meet its uh, GDP growth targets? I think that 5.5% is unconceivable. And I had an interesting conversation with uh, Dr. Maidin actually on the eve of Raya, where, of course, now Malaysia's consumer demand is booming. It's really doing very well uh, leading up to Raya. But he's, of course, very worried, you know, from May, May, June onwards. And he was hoping that international tourism should hopefully be able to substitute some of that. But his point of view was it's going to be very hard if the Chinese traveller or tourist doesn't come here. Yeah, I mean, if in itself, China's GDP growth target, 5.5-6% official PBOC, in, in itself, that's the lowest in a couple of decades. So they're trying to manage their growth. I think the biggest you know, catalyst for maybe global uh, rejuvenation would be that if China reverses its zero COVID policy and then kaboom, it would yeah. go, go gangbusters. Yeah, and uh, speaking of China, and we have Hong Kong here who is actually relaxing their social distancing rule, allowing people to go mask-free when exercising outdoors and also doubling the maximum number of diners per table to eight. And uh, on top of that, they also uh, ease travel bans uh, by uh, all non-residents are actually allowed to come back in as in like inbound flights and all that which is fascinating, oh, fascinating. I can't wait, can't for, wait. I can't, can't wait, wait for roast goose can't <laughs> wait for roast goose sorry <laughs> yeah just melt in your mouth right yes. and if you guys have noticed it's been really warm the last few days we're very humid right I think this is all just barometers of climate change now we've got a couple of data points of climate change right the first one is this heat map from that shows Pakistan and India the last couple of days Huge, the whole the whole subcontinent there is, is red in color, right? Yeah. And it's because there's a there's a huge drought there, uh, sixty two degrees centigrade in the shade, right? Yeah. It's those are dangerous levels. I mean, they were saying like they've never seen such temperatures before, as you said, right? Fifty degrees versus one hundred and twenty two degrees Fahrenheit yeah. consistently for across the weeks. Yeah. Uh, it is becoming uninhabitable uninhabitable for many yeah. of these locations. And these are LSTs, land surface temperatures. Incredible. And this actually has some effects in terms of the wheat fields in India because it reduced their yields um, to from 10 to 40% or 50% yeah. this season, which is also a worrying thing since we already have food shortage uh, problem in the world. Exactly. We've got to watch all those things as we go forward. 6.47 in the morning, we'll come back after this with uh, domestic news. Um, Telegram, Sam, my T-Rex coming up next, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, T-Rex with Telegram, Sam, I'm Chuang with Chun Li and Phil C. Looking at domestic news this morning, what's on the docket? 
Um, I'm actually looking at the press freedom ranking that Malaysia has scored. Um, we are actually ranking 113 out of 180 countries, which is quite worrying, according to our Kluang MP Wong Shuqi, who's a former journalist herself. Uh, apparently, we dropped 10 points, according to in the Reporters Without Borders or RSF World Press Freedom Score, which is something that we are quite worried about because it seems like freedom of speech here or press freedom here is a little bit deteriorating. Well, I think yeah. this is very interesting because in the broader news, we saw that Hong Kong had actually deteriorated versus well. Singapore. So yeah. I wonder when we look, I mean, you mentioned about the relative ranking, but it's also a broader conversation that press freedom globally has also been under a lot of pressure. Yeah, mm. and uh, none more so than in Twitter, where free speech is the um, you know, the theme of the day. What have you got, Phil? Yeah, so I think for me, what was very interesting is my Sujatra. And, you know, since 1st May, what, what happened was that uh, we are not required anymore to log into my Sujatra. So what actually piqued my interest was how much has my Sujatra usage fallen? And actually, there was an article that came out from the Malay Mail about two days ago, which said that my Sujatra nationwide usage plunged 74% with immediate effect on May 1st. Now, as we know, right, we walked into the studio this morning. We didn't need to scan anymore in MySujatra. So these numbers are not very surprising. But I just want to get a sense, right, whether people are still doing it. I must say over the weekend, I was like trying to go for dim sum. And there was this lady trying to MySujatra. And then the lady, and this is such a long queue, the the, the person in front was like so frustrated. She moved away the MySujatra sticks. Uh, stand so that people could just facilitate flow faster. Yeah, I think a lot of this uh, disdain is also related to the fact that uh, there was this ownership issue and, and your personal data that is being sold by the government to interested yes. parties and 300 of a million ringgits has been bandied around. It's, it's, a, it's an invasion of um, you know, civil liberties and of course it's, just a, it's another erosion of trust in the system. And speaking of ownership, uh, I want to turn our attention to the DNB or so-called Digital National Berhad of the 5G network launch. And only two telcos have signed up, which is uh, Telecom Malaysia and YTL Communication. When we see sign up here, it's actually to the ROA or RAO uh, for them to actually have ownership over the, the Digital National Berhad, uh, Digital National Berhad, correct? To have some stake over uh, at the top, I mean, to own ownership on of the NB. Yep. And only two of them have signed up so far. And yeah, I that, don't know what what's holding up for the rest of them. That whole 5G rollout is yet another onion to be peeled with many, many layers behind it. Well, they have until June 30th That's right. to finalise their participation. But in these two companies you mentioned, TM and YTL, they were the ones also, I think, early on on the bandwagon who, that launched 5G. So the big players still haven't uh, participated or signed up to this uh, equity participation that you're referring to. That's yeah. right. And the last time when we were looking at this, I think they were quite welcoming to the, th- to, uh, the idea of signing up equity interest in DNB. But then the action doesn't seem to be have, I mean, there doesn't seem to be taking action so far. Yeah, a lot of, uh, well, lack of clarity, actually, in exactly. terms of the valuation and the price that has to be paid for that particular share of Spectrum. Um, the Edge uh, Weekly, on page six, one of the fav- you know, one of my personal favourite columns is, frankly speaking, right, and raising something which is, you know, very much related to the whole press freedom issue, the erosion of, of basic institutional uh, trust in the system. And basically, the frankly speaking column has, has led with the fact that in the last few weeks, 
since we've seen, um, you know, the, the, the integrity and the credibility of two of Malaysia's most respected institutions, the Securities Commission and the Judiciary, having come under the limelight for their participation in Subway Dynamic and I think more latterly, uh, Sapura Resources. And there's a lot of issues that have been discussed there. We just need these institutions to be functioning and respected. We have seen maybe those two institutions and their respect having been eroded because of the uh, involvement in these two cases. Yeah, I think that this is very interesting because, you know, what I think took us by surprise on Friday evening, in addition to the award of the five uh, digital yeah. banking licenses, was also the mass resignation of senior leadership at the Securities Commission. I think what also struck us was uh, that Datu Said Zaid Alba, uh, I think um, the executive chairman, he resigned. Now, his tenure was extended mm. while he had a three-year contract in November 2021. So he basically resigned after just six months in his second term. And that, I think, caught a lot of people by surprise. And, and that, that speaks a lot. And it speaks volumes, actually, yeah. to his resignation. Because if his country was just renewed last November... Then why would he resign? Why would he resign so yeah. early? And that followed very fastly with three other very much senior executives. So the replacement is a politician, uh, as we all know, Awang Adek. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I think, the first in uh, Securities Commission. And as you said, Chuang, uh, this whole shift and change in leadership in SC is also mired or even perhaps connected to the discussions over the Serbian dynamic case, the investigations by MACC, but we don't know yet for sure 100%. And quite disturbingly, I think, and this is related to free speech as well, I saw how um, other alternative media platforms have taken this whole issue with Dynamic and twisted it in a way which doesn't relate to the core commercial interests of the country in terms of furthering governance and furthering oversight, relating it back to the whole uh, racial and... um, you know, divide, uh, political divide, which is, again, distressing. But again, it's also free speech, and maybe we should respect those realms as necessary. Well, I just want to talk about free speech quickly. We'll talk about the debate happening yeah. soon about oh, Sapura and the oil and gas industry. May 12th, right? May 12th. So I think this whole debate, how does free speech come through, and how is it reflected? It's going to be a very important conversation to have. Yeah, um, of course, uh, having spoken to some senior bankers in recent weeks, the the, the financial fallout from those companies and c- coming forward, Sapura, in terms of lo- local bank exposure could be, you know, hopefully, well, not too significant, but it might well be. 6.57, we'll come back after this with the news and beyond that, the market's discussion. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.